there's research that shows that there is an optimal level of pressure or stress that we need in order to be creative, in order to be productive. And it's basically like low level stress. If you were to say no stress is not optimal for getting things done, neither is medium or high stress, but low stress is really good. And so how do you create, how do you kind of create the most possible safety, but just enough pressure or stress to get you focused, get you moving? Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavsky, and welcome to another episode of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from remote work experts, digital nomads, and location-independent entrepreneurs so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited to be joined by Taylor Jacobson, the founder and CEO of Focusmate, a virtual co-working community with a mission to help everyone do their best work. Focusmate connects thousands of people across 193 countries worldwide to sit side-by-side via video to keep each, each other company, cheer each other on, and hold one another accountable while working remotely. And during this episode, Taylor shared his remote work journey prior to starting Focusmate, why so many people struggle with focus and procrastination, and some easy ways to start improving our productivity. Now, two things before we jump into the interview. Number one, make sure that you subscribe to my newsletter, Remote Insider, where every Monday I share the most important developments in the areas of remote work, online business, tech, and the digital nomad lifestyle. It has been called mandatory reading by other subscribers, and if you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you will also love being a Remote Insider subscriber. You can subscribe to that at thatremotelife.com forward slash remote insider, all one word. And number two, I would personally like to invite you to join our TRL listener Slack channel, which you can find at thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. In the Slack channel, you'll be able to have direct contact with me, meet other listeners of this show passionate about the future of work, the digital nomad lifestyle, and entrepreneurship, and we'll be putting together events and Q&As with some of our biggest podcast guests to dive in even deeper with them. Access to the Slack channel is completely free, and again, that link is thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. Finally, if you haven't left a review of the show already, please consider leaving one wherever you listen to the podcast. I would greatly appreciate that. You can also easily do so by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and leaving your review right there. It only takes a minute and I would really appreciate it. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Taylor Jacobson. All right, Taylor, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked to have you here. I've used your product, Focusmate. You're the CEO and founder of Focusmate. I've used Focusmate before. I love it. I think it's such a cool product. It's such a cool solution for the world that we live in right now. But if anyone hasn't heard of Focusmate, I'm just curious, how do you tell people what focus mate is like when people ask you like what does focus mate do what is your like one two sentence uh you know like explanation of what it is yeah totally thanks well focus mate is a few things focus mate is a community of people all around the world who want to be more intentional about their time and want to get something done 
with their time, with their lives. And it's a community of people that are helping each other focus in order to do that. So I would say first and foremost, we are that community, that support community. And secondly, we are a place where you can set up um, basically an accountability session, a 30 or 60 minute video call with somebody else in the community. And the point of that call is to just get some work done, but to have somebody who's really just keeping you company and helping hold you accountable to do that. And you're doing the same for them. So in that, let's say 30 minute call, the first minute is just greeting your partner and asking them, hey, what are you gonna work on in this 30 minutes? And they'll share with you and then they'll ask you the same question. What are you gonna work on? And you'll share with them. And then you just keep each other company and you may update each other on your progress. Uh, and then at the end, a bell goes off and you check in and you share how it went, what you got done. Maybe if you got distracted, that's okay. Uh, a little celebration uh, for each other. And we help you find the partners that are best for you, that you love to work with, that help motivate you, inspire you, that you feel good with. Um, so yeah, we're a community and then we're a utility to help you find people to get stuff done with. So when you say that you're a community, do you mean that um, more as like the community of the people who are all using Focusmate or is there an actual like organized community that goes along with the product that is Focusmate? That's a good question. It's, it is both. Um, I call it a community because the dynamic, the culture of Focusmate is incredibly supportive and there's kind of this, I would say the scary moment with Focusmate is like before you decide to try it for the first time, when it's like, you feel like maybe you're an outsider and it's this weird thing and you might feel, I know I felt this way actually before my, my first session with somebody I didn't know, that it's pretty vulnerable to work in this way. Um, even though we go to cafes all the time and we sit alongside people we don't know or haven't met before and get work done, um, I think this, the, the way we relate to this, um, it's changing, you know, in the world of remote work, but a lot of people haven't done something like this before. And then you show up and um, we actually let people know if you're a new, if you're new to the platform and uh, just encourage them to be friendly and greet you and explain how it works and answer any questions you have. And um, so really universally people get on and it just feels like a warm embrace of like, you're here, like, welcome to the crew. Uh, we got you. And we also have a really like hyper insanely active Facebook community. That's just like, yeah, it's just so, so supportive. So yeah, you know, Focusmate is, you know, it is this structure of how to work together in a way that helps us be a lot more productive and focused, but it's also this, it's this community and this culture of really uh, acceptance, support, kindness, um, that I think is, um, in a way even more important, you know, than the, just the utility of, of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. When I did my first focus make call, the person who I got paired with, uh, actually mentioned to me that they received like an email or a notification. I'm not quite sure what the, what the, the, the method there is, uh, that I was a newbie uh, focus mate user and they kind of said I'm like you know like answer any questions they may have or whatever and I was like 
that was smart. That's a smart little <laughs> move there. You know, you're like, uh, you know, using using your users as like a way to like welcome people in. And I was like, that's that's a nice little move. Well, we like love to be of service. You know, it's like if somebody has an opportunity to do something for somebody else, it's like feels so good for us to be able to play that role. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's very 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 cool. I was like, that's a savvy that's a savvy product move right there. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you. I kind of want to circle back to the very beginning because uh, I want to hear more about how you came up with the idea for Focusmate and and kind of like what made you take that idea forward and, and the reason i'm asking that it, it's there's two reasons behind this question number one looking on like your linkedin i noticed that you have done quite a few things in the past so you're clearly very entrepreneurial there's a lot of things that you've done so uh you know i'm i'm curious about like what it was about the idea around Focusmate that made you want to kind of like double down on it and then the other part of the question as well is you started Focusmate in 2016 uh, which, you know, from our vantage point right now in 2022, Focusmate makes a lot of sense, right? We're like, oh, of course something <laughs> like this needs to exist. But in 2016, um, I, I bet that wasn't as common sense because, you know, I started remote working in 2017 and it was still like this weird thing that nobody like, they're like, what are you doing? This makes no sense. So how did you come up with the idea in, in, in 2016 and what made you kind of double down on it? Yeah. Oof, juicy questions. Well, I started working remotely for the first time in 2011, uh, kind of out of necessity. I had a job at an office and the office changed location. So my commute got really far and I begged my boss to let me work from home. And she kind of begrudgingly said yes. And really like overnight, <laughs> When I started working from home, I just couldn't focus. And it, you know, my version of not being able to focus uh, was like spending six hours just trying to answer emails and other things that were just like low value. Felt, yeah, low value. Um, the kind of stuff that it, all procrastination is basically some version of that. It's like, you know, you justify doing something else. That's not what you actually intend or want to do. And, um, yeah. And I, I basically got fired, um, after a few tough conversations with her about, you know, my non-performance, um, sort of like, Hey, you could apply for another job here or you could leave. And, um, and that was the first really conspicuous failure I had had in my, certainly in my professional life, you know, every, everything else that I'd failed at in the past, I'd sort of come up with some way of telling myself, you know, like making myself feel better about it, um, blaming somebody else. And in this case, it just was like, nope, that was all me. Um, I screwed up and couldn't do it. And and I was really humiliated and ashamed and it really affected my mental health. I started to go into depression and I didn't want to go get a new job. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and I wound up at that point just starting to read a lot about personal growth, productivity. I mean, like spirituality, all, the whole spectrum of, of stuff to just try to claw my way out of being in a really dark place. And at some point in that, I just 
I just decided like, okay, some version of this content of helping people get unstuck with their lives and like be whoever they want to be. That's, that's what I want to, I want to spend my time on this. So I want this to be my career. So that, that painful experience was kind of the first seed that was planted. I'll say I did not figure out how to kind of overcome my procrastination issues for a long time. I actually got trained as an executive coach. I started doing coaching, but still for years, I was really struggling. And then one day, 2015, I was talking to a friend who was also a client and he was really procrastinating on a huge and really important project and freaking out. And in that moment of just kind of his vulnerability, I realized I had had this idea probably for a while that I just thought was like so shameful that I never told anyone. I sort of thought this level of support, no, like I have to be broken to want this kind of support to get things done. But he was in so much need that I just was like, screw it. I'm going to tell him this idea. And so I said, Hey man, let's get on a video call and let's just do this, do stuff together. You know, I've been procrastinating. I was blogging at the time. I was procrastinating this blog post for like two months and he needed to do this presentation. So we got on, it was Skype <laughs> at the time. Uh, I, had got a, on Skype. I have a friend I have a friend who said, you know, you're a remote work OG when you did Skype calls before Zoom calls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I just knew all the behavioral science and I was like, all right, man, here's what we're going to do. We're going to state our intentions. We're going to be really specific about what we're going to do. We're going to write them down in the chat and then we're going to stay there with each other while we work on them. Every time you make some progress, you can update me in the chat. We'll check in after a certain amount of time. I'll set a timer. Um, so we just, I mean, basically the entire structure of Focusmate, we did it that first time and it was just insanely effective. You know, it was like two lifelong severe procrastinators had two hours of just uninterrupted flow state productivity. And both of us were just really dumbstruck to be honest. And so that's, that's where the spark came from, you know, and having been an entrepreneur for years before that. And honestly, having had lots of bad ideas, having struggled a lot in so many ways, you know, I'd learned a lot of the lessons of like, you know, what it's like to push a boulder up a hill and and try to force an idea that's not a really good idea. And in this case, it just was like clicking in my mind. I was like, wow, there have to be millions of people that are just like us that whose lives could be transformed if they could experience what we just experienced. At the same time, I had, uh, I had failed at enough startups uh, or just entrepreneurial endeavors in the past that I really, I really tried to slow my role. And I, I just sat on it for about six months. Um, and what had me really commit to it? I mean, this, this is such a good question. Um, you know, in the past, I I had had some ideas that were really good, but I just, I didn't have the mojo to follow through on them. Like I, I got six months into a really good uh, startup idea once and was going great. And it just was like, ah, my, my heart wasn't really in it. Like I couldn't picture myself doing it for another five years, let, in, like, let alone longer, you know, something like that. And um, so I really just sat, sat with the idea of focus mate and just like, the possibilities just kept growing and growing and growing. And it was just like a thing that I was thinking about all the time and getting excited about. And then there was just a day that I was talking to a friend and 
sharing about it. And he just said to me like, Hey man, like I don't mean to be overly direct or anything, but I just get this sense. Like you'll regret it if you don't do this. And it just was that moment of like, Oh, like total resonance. Like what he just said is completely true. And yeah, from that moment, I was like, I'm doing this and like hundred percent commitment. And, you know, it just, for me, I have struggled really intensely in different parts of my life in different ways. And so that really fostered this desire to just use my own struggles to, you know, to serve others and in some way. And, and so finding a business idea that really checked these boxes of like, like you, I just really, it's like, I know remote work is going to just keep growing, right? It aligns so well with human well-being, right? And, um, and so like that trend in combination with like, I'm so passionate about trying to help people be whoever they want to be, get unstuck, deal with their biggest challenges. Uh, it just felt like right in the crosshairs of something that I was really passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. For me, like remote work, I knew it was going to be the future even before COVID because when I would think about it, I would, I would, you know, I truly believe that at some point, hopefully we're going to be a multi-planetary species, right? Like I'm a massive sci-fi nerd. I'm like, if we don't have like people living on Mars, I, this is going to be so depressing. Right. And I just thought about that and I was like, well, if that's the case and we have to have some sort of like economy that functions between these massive distances, then asynchronous work has to be a reality by the time that happens. So that means that like, it's kind of like the Wayne Gretzky thing of like, well, if you know where the puck is going, right? You'll see <laughs> where the puck is, right? And so I was like, okay, well, maybe it's going to take 50 years, 60 years, whatever to hit like mainstream, but like it's going to eventually happen. And then COVID happened. I was like, oh, we just sped this up by quite a bit, right? Um, but I'm curious about, you know, you, you mentioned procrastination and I think, that is truly one of the really big issues with, you know, remote work because it's not like people don't procrastinate when they're in the office, but at least there in the office, you have some sort of pressure from some sort of boss or manager, essentially like, hey, there's a clock ticking. Where is this? You know, you may feel the physical presence of, of, of like other people around you that are at least pretending to be working. So you feel guilty if you're not working. So how do we, you know, how do we actually beat procrastination? What is the thing that everyone is missing that seems to be the answer in terms of maybe not beating procrastination, but getting it under control? Yeah. Um, the thing that I have learned about procrastination that I find like the most profound and transformational is really about understanding how focus works in the context of the body and the nervous system. And we can start by looking at the opposite of that as well. So the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system has a few different states, right? Um, when we are feeling really safe, um, sometimes that state is called rest and digest. It can also be called safe and social, but basically we're perceiving safety in our environment. There's like no lions and tigers or whatever. And in that state, our bodies optimize blood flow to our brains, to our facial muscles, to our throats. Um, 
And that's all to help us be collaborative and communicative, right? So the things that we can do when we feel safe are a lot more creative endeavors, right? If we're not feeling safe, then everything is oriented towards survival. But when we are feeling safe, this is when we can create something new, right? Our, our creative life force can come online as opposed to our survival needs. Um, so just understanding that, like, in order to focus, all we need is to feel safe. However, that is also incredibly difficult for so many reasons, but to kind of highlight maybe the two biggest ones, one is that human beings, we all have trauma, like little t trauma, like experiences that happened in our lives that caused us to hold some kind of stress, tension, anxiety, fear in our bodies physically, okay? And so basically all of us are carrying this kind of uh, I'll call it like chronic stress with us, right? This is based in our childhood experiences, all of us. And so the experience of that kind of little t trauma is just that our bodies are being vigilant and sometimes hypervigilant. And, and what that means is that they're in a state of fight or flight, which is being ready to run away or to, to fight against something dangerous, right? And then the other factor is... Um, not the past, but actually present moment triggers, things in our current environments that are also causing us to not feel safe. So, you know, that could be sirens that are going by if we live in cities, which is most of us. Um, it could be alerts from our phone. It could be just the kind of apprehension that we feel about like literally opening our inbox and anything could have come into our inbox, right? So the, the hyper-connectivity that we experience, there's a lot of pros to that, but the con is that, our nervous system's really not designed to have that frequency of stimuli, right? The nervous system is is really just paying attention to like, am I safe? And so it, it or let's say it's paying attention to like, is there a lion, right? Something that's really life-threatening. And it, it's not necessarily good at saying, oh, this is just an email, like chill out. We're not really built that way. So as a result, basically all of us to varying degrees are always in a state of fight or flight. And we label that so many different things. There's different symptoms, right? So some symptoms we call ADHD, some we call anxiety, some we call PTSD, some we call procrastination, whatever. They're all just labels, but basically they're just different manifestations of being stressed out, being in a state of fight or flight. Um, and even depression, right? Um, depression, and there's other, you know, states of overwhelm where we just shut down those don't necessarily, they don't look like fight or flight. That's actually another nervous system state where the body is saying, wow, I can't even, I can't even express the fight or flight energy that I need. I can't respond and run away. I'm going to play dead. And that's an even older um, part of the nervous system. It's a reptilian part of the nervous system. It's a shutdown response. Um, so when we're depressed, when we're like just lying in our beds, hiding, hiding from the world, that's also, um, that's our bodies being in a state of chronic stress for so long that they just shut down. So yeah, that's, to me, that is, that understanding that I think is foundational, the most power, like empowering thing that I have found to understand why is procrastination happening and, and to just kind of land the plane on this. When you are in a state of fear, fight or flight, your body is mobilized like it wants to do things 
but not in a focused way, right? It's like this frenetic energy. And so you think about like all the things we do and we procrastinate, we might like eat, we might do laundry, we might sweep, we might scroll. Um, all these things are active in some way, but they are mindlessly active. And that's the experience of fight or flight where the blood, instead of being in the brain, when we feel safe, it now is in the spinal column. It's in the limbs. It's preparing to move, to, to, to run away, to fight, etc. cetera. Um, and so that's what procrastination is. It's, I need to move. I need to do something. And I know what I want to do, but my body is not on board with that. Hmm. So that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense in terms of like your body trying to like move and to do things and, and, you know, like get me out of this stressed situation, out of this like situation of fear. But wouldn't you also say that stress can also be a very good driving force of fear of a focus? Because if there's like a, a stress from like a deadline, like, Hey, this thing is like due today, I have to focus to get it done. Or, you know, there's even like, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure that you've experienced this before where it's like, listen, if we don't figure this out, like the company's going to crash, I'm going to have to fire people. So like, I have to figure it out. So then how do those two things balance out? Because I feel like that stress can be a huge, you know, source of, of, of focus. Yeah. So that's actually a great segue to even like why Focusmate works, right? So when we're procrastinating, um, it is often, it's, it's our bodies being too stressed in some way, but yeah, cortisol and adrenaline have a critical role in like getting anything done without those. Yeah, we would be dead. So yeah, there's research that shows that there is an optimal level of pressure or stress that we need in order to be creative, in order to be productive. And it's basically like low level stress. If you were to say no stress is not optimal for getting things done, neither is medium or high stress, but low stress is really good. And so how do you create, how do you kind of create the most possible safety, but just enough pressure or stress to get you focused, get you moving, right? So, um, you know, one of the most powerful safety triggers is being around other safe human beings or tribal animals that are designed to survive through cooperation with the tribe. We cannot survive on our own, right? So the nervous system is super, super attuned to there are other people around and I feel safe because there's other people around. Um, it also does activate a little bit of social pressure, right? Like, cause we want to be good tribe members. So that's almost certainly the most powerful kind of underlying behavioral trigger that's going on with focus mate is I show up on this video call with somebody else that I feel really good around. And now immediately my nervous system state is shifting to feel more safe. And there's also other factors there, like the, the kind of the predictability, the consistency of a focus mate session. Um, you know exactly what to do and say. This isn't like a social environment where there's anything could happen or you have to, somebody might ask you a question you don't have the answer to or things that make us socially anxious. Those are not present. So it takes out kind of all the social fears and just provides a lot of social safety and structure. And then we do introduce just a tiny little bit of really impactful, you know, sort of positive pressure, positive stress. There's a timer in your focus mate session. So you can see, okay. And like, it's going to be another 23 minutes and I'm going to have to check in with my partner and share how it went, not get punished if I didn't do what I said, but just share. Right. So it's very low level 
pressure. And then there's also the accountability of, I said what I was going to do at the beginning of this call. I'm going to feel kind of silly if I didn't do that. Um, and again, it's not punitive, right? If you get into punitive territory, that can get us too stressed out. Um, but if it's just the stress of like, oh, I just don't really want to look like a fool or, or like whatever stories we have about ourselves when we're not good tribe members who don't do the things we say, um, that's enough to get us moving and to do the thing that we said we were going to do. Mm. Yeah, I feel like one of the things that this brings up for me is this idea of self-management or like time management, because, you know, you're talking about the the timer is ticking down at the very beginning of your focus mate session. You say like, Hey, you know, I believe that in the next hour I can get this blog post done or whatever it may be. And then that blog post actually ends up taking three hours, right? Because you're like, wow, like I kind of really underestimated how much work this was going to be. I feel like that is almost like the other half of focus because you need to have focus, but you also need to have accurate planning about how this fits into your time. And if you have enough time available to get this thing done based on what else you have going on, do you have any sort of tips around that? Like, do you have any sort of um, experience or I don't know about data or research that you've read about what is the best way to figure that out? Because what I've noticed is people who are really, really high level producers, if I can call them that way, have those two muscles. Like they're really good at being focused like you're talking about, but they're also really good at knowing how long they need to be focused for in order to get something done. Yeah, that's a really good question. And this is something I would say we didn't really do on purpose with Focusmate, but we've learned a lot about it because sort of by accident, the skills that you're talking about are incorporated into the structure of Focusmate. And so there may be other ways to do this as well, but what we've seen is that by structuring your time in this way, so number one, having these either 30 or 60 minute blocks where um, you're aware, like what did I set out to do and what did I just do? And so there's this constant feedback loop, right? Every single time you do a session, you know, we can only accomplish a very small amount in that amount of time. Um, but then you just start to see, okay, that's what I got done. Um, and then another uh, really powerful factor is just the specificity of our intentions. So, you know, you talk about being a big producer, what that really means is that we are people who are capable of setting objectives that are kind of complex projects, right? Like I'm going to launch a podcast. Well, what does that mean? You can't just write that on your to-do list, right? Launch a podcast is comprised of many thousands of individual action items. And it's, it's probably virtually impossible to estimate how many number of hours that's going to take on some level. Right. But, um, with Focusmate or without it, if you get really good at being really specific about your intentions and following through on those, like, um, you know, I don't know, I'm going to spend 30 minutes um, Googling and reading articles about how to start a podcast and I'm going to take notes. Okay. That could be a first step, right? And I guess my hypothesis based on everything that we've learned is it's actually not that important to ultimately kind of, you alluded to like being able to understand how much time something needs. 
my sense is that's less important than the ability to break things down into really specific tasks and then just consistently take action to just like keep kind of chipping away at that giant project and to start to feel we really thrive off of a sense of progress, right? So to every 30 minutes or 60 minutes sort of be able to affirmatively say, okay, like I, here's something really specific that I know is moving me towards this huge amorphous goal and I got it done or I learned something about I should actually be doing this other thing instead. And so I would say that creating that sense of progress is actually one of the most powerful things that we can do to become producers. So then the question is, how do I consistently experience a sense of progress? And so that comes back to, yeah, being, being really consistent, uh, sorry, being really specific, being really consistent. Um, yeah. And, and probably being realistic too. So like as we do these 30 or 60 minute experiences and we see what we got done, we're less prone to like setting unrealistic goals of like, I, I know years ago, I was somebody that could write something on my to-do list, like work on launching the podcast, you know? And when we, when we write something like that on our to-do list, it's just a setup for us to f- feel like crap later because like, we don't really know what to do. And then we might spend time doing something that wasn't actually that useful. And then just feel like, oh my God, I spent eight hours today. I'm exhausted. And I don't even feel like I made progress. So um, yeah. Those are some of the things that come up based on my experience. Yeah, I think what you said about the feed the feedback loop is really important because so many people don't have that, right? Because I think just calling your shot and then at the end of that shot, like at the end of that period, analyzing whether or not you were correct or not is actually a really good rep of training that muscle so that eventually you know okay, well, you know, this is not going to take me 30 minutes. It's going to take me two hours. And you just sort of like develop that muscle. But you, in order for you to develop that muscle, you have to call your shot. If you don't call your shot, you don't put yourself in that, in the beginning of that feedback loop to actually like analyze, was I correct or was I not? How, you know, efficient am I? And, you know, you, that doesn't really matter as much as long as you know how efficient you are and you can like accurately like know, um, how that's going to work for you. But the other thing that I thought that was really important that I'd love to get your opinion on is we talked about progress because I completely agree that this feeling of like not seeing progress can be so damaging to your motivation. And I actually heard someone say once uh, on the topic of burnout, you know, we hear so much about burnout now, especially with remote work. And uh, we really normally associate it with like working too much. But their point was, there's these workaholics and people who work like 80 hour weeks, 100 hour weeks, yet they don't burn out. They're like constantly super psyched, like they're constantly working. And one of the things they said was that burnout doesn't come from working too much. It happens when you work too much and you don't see progress. When you feel like all that energy you're expending is almost like useless. You're not getting any closer to your goal. So I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Do you agree with that uh, in, in terms of the way that the lack of progress can affect burnout? Uh, yes and no. I, so if we, if we again come back to this from like a physiological standpoint, progress is going to be dopamine basically, right? And like a neurochemical. And when we have enough dopamine, we are feeling good. And, and on some level, 
burnout is an imbalance of our neurochemistry, right? So I would say progress is definitely can contribute to us staying healthy because we're getting enough dopamine. It's just like, I think it's really useful and maybe necessary sometimes to think of ourselves, like just think of the body like like a plant or something. Like if you don't water it, it's just going to die. And um, so, you know, getting enough dopamine, super important. However, definitely not sufficient. So I would look at this from a holistic nervous system lens or physiological lens and say that in order to... Uh, to work in that way, we just need to be resourcing ourselves. Like we need, you know, and again, I kind of like the comparison to, to a plant or something like you need, you know, well, let's, let's talk about human beings. You need sun, you need movement, you need healthy nutrition, like literally the, the, the substance that is becoming your body <laughs> uh, rather than putting something in that's going to require more detoxification. Um, you need, connection with other people. You know, we talked about co-regulating the nervous system. If you're, you know, this is totally separate from introvert, extrovert, all human beings are mammals. We absolutely need safe connection. And so like all the things we're talking about have a very simple and direct impact on our, you know, on our neurochemistry on, and you know, I, I'm not qualified to talk in like technical terms, about this, but a lot of this is, is pretty clear to it. It's like, okay, sun, vitamin D, cool. Like, um, physical contact, oxytocin, um, all these things. So yeah, if somebody can work a hundred hours, it's because, um, they are getting resourced in all those other ways. So maybe they are surrounded by enough, you know, physical connection and they're having fun doing what they're doing. And, um, they're, probably also, you know, eating well and exercising and these other sort of things. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really hard for people when they talk about this idea of how to be more productive, of how to be more well-balanced is that there's so many variables, right? And most human beings, when they see a lot of variables or a lot of options, they kind of shut down because they're like, I can't possibly make a choice, right? It's like going to, I always talk about this when I come back to the US and I don't know if you've had a similar experience. When you're in Mexico or another country and you go to like the store and you go to like the deodorant aisle and there's like three options for you to choose from, right? And then I love going to like the US and go walking to Target and there's an entire aisle of like deodorant (laughs) options. And then you're just like, this is great, but also like, what am I supposed to do with this many options, right? I feel like people shut down around productivity and around some of these things that we're talking about because of that, because there's so many parts of it, so many variables, so many levers they can pull on. So to make it really simple for somebody listening to this, if they're struggling with being productive, if they're feeling like, you know, it, they're really suffering um, from this inability to, to get going and, and to like, you know, be productive at work or whatever else they may be doing, what would be like the number one place that you would say, Hey, I know there's a whole bunch of variables, but go here and you're going to get like the most benefit, the most bang for your buck that will then get you that progress so that you can then go and tackle the other variables. Yeah. Uh, I relate to that so much. And my first 10 years of like studying this stuff, that was totally me just trying things, feeling overwhelmed, lots of things, just feeling like they weren't working. Um, so I want to start by just setting kind of the visual of this as 
as a really simple visual, which is, again, like think of yourself more like a plant, okay? And obviously we're not plants, but we're probably a lot more similar than we are different in this regard. And so thinking about, and we kind of hit on these things before, it's like you need sun, you need movement, you need to put good things in your body, you need connection with other safe human beings, and you need sleep, you need good rest. Um, maybe that one's like the most important. Um, and like we complicate the crap out of all of those things, but we really don't need to. And at least my experience is all those feel all those things feel extremely intuitive. Also, like I don't need to tell anybody that that's what we need. If we actually slow down enough and are just like, hey, what is my body telling me it wants to do right now? Like, there's almost never a day when my body is not like, hey, we would love to go just like spend time outside moving and smelling trees. And then occasionally there's a day when my body's like, let's lie in bed and do nothing. Um, you know, and that's <laughs> um, same with spending time with people. It's like, nobody needs to tell you that that's healthy, but yeah, we just make these things so complicated. So yeah, you know, I know that's a list and we're trying to simplify here, but um, I would say kind of that whole balance of like good sleep, good connection, movement, sun, nutrition, and, and we don't need to complicate it beyond that. Um, and, you know, for my money, I do think Focusmate is the most effective tool on the planet, bar none, for productivity because it incorporates so many of these things. And also just empirically, it's like insanely effective. But honestly, uh, you know, if people took one thing away from this conversation, I really, it's like, how do you just resource your body in the way that it's meant to be resourced and not and not make it complicated? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because what I really like about Focusmate, and it's such a small tweak to something that I've done before, which is like, hey, let's get on a Zoom call and like work together. But the issue with that is like when you get on a Zoom call with like a friend or multiple people, what ends up happening is there's always this like 15 minute period of time of the hour that you're supposed to be working where you're like chit chatting because you're friends and you have something to talk about or like, you know, you're catching up with like other people. And so you don't actually end up working. What I really like about Focus Me is it's a lot of times it's somebody that you don't know. So you're getting that, you know, social connection of working with someone and that like little bit of like pressure to get to work. But there isn't that chit chat. It's kind of like, hey, what are you working on? What am I working on? Now let's get to work. And I think that that's really nice. And, and I appreciate that. So uh, I wanted to say, uh, nice job with that. That's a, that's a, that, that it, I really do like focus me and I do agree with you. It's, it's a great place to, uh, I think it's a great place to start in terms of getting more focus. I personally, out of that entire list that you talked about, I mean, I always feel like I've eaten well, I'm not the best sleeper. Like I get enough sleep, but I'm not like the best sleeper. The thing that's really helped me is like exercise. It's so, it sounds almost counterintuitive that by you going out and like spending energy, you're going to actually have more energy to do things. But when I go and I love working out in the morning because then afterwards I'm like hyped. It's like better than like 10 espressos because then you're like, all right, great. Like I already worked out. Let's get to work. You know, I'm energetic. And for me, I find that that's um, really, really helpful. Um, I'm curious about somebody who is like literally the forefront of this, you know, your entire business is about focus and, and productivity, quote unquote, what does a good work day look like for you? Like when you think about like, 
you know, when you get to close your laptop and feel like you've had a good day, you know, you feel good about what you accomplished that day. What does that normally look like? Yeah. Okay. So how does, what does a good work day look like? I do want to go back to your comment about the exercise though, because I guess I just want to, I want to land this point about the body, you know, and we definitely have this paradigm that like, okay, I need like exercise is like on the checklist of things for like self-care or something. And it's this very, I think it's a context for thinking about ourselves. That's a little bit too mechanical. Um, and I would really, I would invite a different context. That's like the reason that helps you focus is that you are helping your body, the complete system to get its needs met and to feel good. Right. So yeah, it might take some energy, but ultimately what it's doing is just like watering a plant or something. It's like your nervous system and your body is now functioning optimally. Right. So it's helping you get out of states of fight or flight, anxiety, stress, procrastination, and into states of safety, relaxation, and therefore getting the blood into your brain so you can focus. So I didn't really land that point earlier when I was sort of saying this is for, you know, you asked what would my advice be on focus? That's the reason that taking care of the body in this really simplistic way um, can help us focus. It's because that is the thing that's going to move the needle for us to sustainably feel unstressed and therefore be able to focus, right? It's, we're just moving the blood into the brain literally because the body feels safe. So even the word exercise, I think is a little, for me, my relationship to the word exercise is a little bit of this like construct of personal growth or something or self-improvement. And lately I find that I just think of it as movement now. Like I just want to be outside moving my body. It doesn't even matter. Um, I walk a lot. Um, and I'm not like counting my steps or something. It's like, I've just internalized this relationship to, I am this creature <laughs> that has these needs and I'm going to take care of them. So, um, yeah, I would love for people to, to really get that for themselves. Um, that it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm transforming the level of stress in my body to help, uh, help give my body what it needs so I can focus. Yeah. I, we, so my wife and I, we just got a dog. And one of the things that I noticed about him is that he's like very like, like, you know, he, he wants to move. <laughs> he's still kind of a puppy and he's just not calm sometimes. And we take him out on a walk and then he comes back and then he's chill and he's like, okay, I, I got, I got some energy out. Now I can focus. He's better with like learning things and, and when we're training him, that kind of stuff. And I think that's almost something that you personally need to see for yourself because like, for example, I love walking as well. And I've always been like a casual exerciser. And then I said, okay, let me try to like go hard, right? Like I work out every single day. Sometimes I do like a full hour of exercise and yoga, uh, like later in the day. And that for me has been a game changer because I feel like I finally found this like equilibrium. Like maybe I have a bit more like physical energy that I need to get out and I wasn't. So like you're saying, I was just constantly trying to like move. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I, to me, that was like a very interesting finding over the last like two, three months where I was like, I went a little bit harder in terms of like walking, exercising, but just introduced a bit more of it. And it really helped me feel way more balanced, which has been, uh, very, very nice. But I want to send it back to you because again, you know, I'm very curious to hear what does a good work day look like for you? 
when at the end of the day you close that laptop? Like what makes you feel like you accomplished, you know, a lot that day? Because I think for, for me, I've never worked in an office. So as a, an always remote worker, I'm always thinking, you know, I don't have the ability to look over to the desk next to me and see, to compare myself to how much I got done to someone else and, and to kind of measure myself, whether I was on par or below par or whatever it may be. So I'm curious, what does a good work day mean to you? Like how much do you work? Um, you know, how many things do you accomplish? Like, I'm just kind of curious about how you think about that. Mm. Man, I haven't thought about this for a while and it's cool to be asked because so much has changed in my, in my work life over the last few years. I mean, the immediate thing that comes up is like, I, I certainly do not pay attention to the amount of things that I got done. Um, it's really being connected to what I want to do and doing that. And that's probably it. Um, you know, I, I really, I've really reoriented my life around this question of just like, what do I want? And sometimes I, you know, I call it like, what's my inner truth and how am I following that? Um, and so, yeah, this, <laughs> this might not be the kind of answer you were, uh, you were thinking, but yeah, I'm really trying to never force myself to do something that feels off to me. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of my evolution over the last year, especially at, at my company, you know, like I have a team has been shifting my relationship to my team. The thing that they need most from me is not to, um, burn myself out working a ton. It's not to get more done than anyone else. It's not, it's, um, it's provide different forms of guidance and leadership and support. And um, I'm really trying to focus on like, what are the things that give me energy? What are the things I love to do? Like, I love to do podcast interviews, right? So for me, a, a really good day is I kind of, I followed that inner guidance of I'm doing the things that really light me up that are the role that I can uniquely play in the team. And then I'm really like, letting go of everything else. Um, so it's also a day where I feel, I don't feel depleted. I feel like, oh, I did things that were fun, that were energizing, that were like aligned with my gifts and I didn't force anything. You know, I like, I asked for support in the things that just didn't feel good to me. Yeah. So speaking of the company, how, you know, you said you have a team. What does the company look like internally? How many people do you have uh, uh, on the team? Uh, we're probably 10 people. Um, half of those full-time, the other half part-time, like varying levels of part-time. Um, no, we have no office. Maybe it goes without saying being on this show, but um, yeah, spread all around the world, like mostly in the Americas, a little bit in Europe. Yeah, one in Asia. And what is the vision like? I mean, what do you, you know, when you, when you stop and you think about Focusmate in the next two, three, five years, what do you see? Like, what is your vision for the company going forward? What we say internally is we are building the most supportive community on earth. 
and you know this this vision really goes beyond the sort of tactics of what we're building but more about the why and how like the experience of being in this company and the experience of being in our community is that we live in an era where we don't need more stuff we need more well-being and sustainability and integrity for ourselves and our planet and you know work has become this kind of religion for modern society you know like as religion has kind of died out what's replaced it in my opinion is work and that's a place where we derive so much meaning and purpose and connection and community and um status status yeah all the things and yet we have all these outdated paradigms not just of going to the office but also of what work is for and again if we don't we don't need more widgets right we need like less trees cut down we need less people being burned out and depressed and suicidal and all these things and so given that work is like so central to how our society functions my vision for this company is to really play a role in transforming that paradigm where work becomes something that actually supports us becoming who we really are, aligning with our true nature, feeling well, um, you know, and being better people, being more kind, loving, gentle, less destructive towards our relationships and our planet. So that's probably the thing that lights me up the most is like, can this company embody that in a way that deeply, deeply serves our people, our team, our community? Like that culture is really in the sort of atmosphere of being part of the Focus Make community. Like you're not here to grind yourself and to get stuff done. Like you're here to feel good and follow things, follow through on things that matter to you, to be more of who you are. Um, so. Yeah, that that's part of what motivates me to reach more people and, you know, turn this into something bigger and more visible is that I would love for that to become just the way we work, you know, that work becomes this thing that supports us in the process of becoming who we really are. Yeah, one of the things when people ask me, like, why I'm so passionate about remote work is like, A, you know, it gives you a lot of freedom. But what that really means is like, for such a long time, we lived to work, right? Like work defined where you live. Like you were living in a city because your office was 25 minutes away. You, you know, you designed your entire life around work. You know, like when you got up, when you went to bed, you know, what, like your entire schedule was designed around that. And remote work allows you to do is to make life the central part of that and to fit work around that. And the reason why I'm so passionate about remote work and helping companies actually succeed with that is that if we are able to do this and we're at a very critical point in time for that life on the other side of it looks a lot better for everyone if we can you know make sure the companies figure out how to do this sustainably and productively so that's why i'm so excited about what you guys are doing and then how you're helping out with with so many folks so let people know again um first of all thank you so much for taking the time to to come on the podcast but let people know a you know where can they find focus mate um and and how they can you know kind of have their first their first session and also where can they uh connect with you on social media or anything like that if they're interested in, in reaching out to you 
Awesome. Yeah. So to anyone listening, we'd absolutely love to have you in our community. The website is focusmate.com. That's focusmate.com. We have a free tier. You can join and use Focusmate for free forever if you want to. And then we have a paid tier that's uh, unlimited. Um, so that's how to join. You know, so you just come to our site, create an account, and you can be setting up your first Focusmate session within three minutes. Um, and then, yeah, I would also love to connect with any of y'all on social media. Um, the best places to find me are LinkedIn and Instagram. On LinkedIn, I'm Taylor Jacobson. On Instagram, I'm Taylor E. Jacobson. Well, perfect, man. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this was this was a ton of fun. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Mitko. This was great. <laughs>